Welcome to the year of my high school graduation, episode 87, class of 87. I'm Nick Cole. I'm Single White Medusa. And we're having a nice cup of coffee this afternoon on a Monday, cold, October, sunny, windy, cloudy, just all the kind of things day. We're going to barbecue some ribs on the grill because we like to barbecue when it's cold. Yeah. Well, because it doesn't get super cold where we are. Like, if we lived yeah. in, you know, below zero weather or something, I'd below be freezing there. at least, then I'm probably not. I'd be you out there would. in the Antarctic. You would probably, yeah. But, I mean, like, it's not even that cold. It's probably 65 or something. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. 60 maybe, but yeah. I like barbecuing at all times of the year, but I especially like barbecuing in the fall because it smells better and it's nice and cool and... The flies and gnats and kind of are all dead, and my neighbors, who I really don't really dig, they're nice people. I just don't like neighbors. And I mean, because I'm because I'm a people person. Eighty-five degrees, ninety degrees. Do you really want to be standing over a hot grill? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Like... I grew a giant nine-foot-tall hedge so that my neighbors wouldn't walk by and be like, "Save some for me." <laughs> exactly. I, I, I grew a nine foot halt I grew a nine foot tall hedge because I didn't want to talk to people. Hey, I mean, well, I get it. I mean, me too. I mean, you want to talk to them when you're like ready to talk to people, but sometimes you're like not there. You're like, yeah. I'm grilling. I'm not in talking mode. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's okay. Exactly. I'm kind of peopled out in a lot of ways, like personal interactive encounters, because people just seem to be so weird lately, and so weirdly aggressive and not quiet and stuff like that and i'm very you wouldn't know it from this podcast but i'm a fairly minimalist quiet kind of person yeah 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 we really especially like the more uh, the years go by we really like peace and quiet like yeah. it's kind of becoming a bigger thing to us <laughs> I, I i do this road march every day and i get to the top of this hill and it's just all trees up there and kind of wind and I just think, man, if I could have a house, like, right in the trees and the wind, and I could sleep with, like, my window open and hear that wind in the morning, that would be pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a fairly simple, uh, simple want. I'm a simple you know, man. You're a simple man. I'm a simple man. <laughs> I just need a hilltop fortress in Orange County with a view of the ocean and, and manicured bamboo and olive trees. Well, now you're getting a little fancy. Well, come on. <laughs> No one cares about that in this podcast. Okay. We saw a couple of movies this weekend. Yeah. On Saturday, we saw Jesus Music. Yeah. We really enjoyed that. We really liked it because it was about, like, uh, the church that we kind of grew up with independently, even though we didn't. We grew up in separate areas and sort of like the Jesus people gossip music. Gospel music. gospel, (laughs) Gospel. Gospel music. So it was a lot of people that we knew and knew of. So it's not for everybody. It was kind of a smaller film. Um, you'd like it if you like documentaries and want to go go to the movies and eat popcorn, which is the only reason to go to the movies. Um, and then we saw James Bond on Sunday. What were your thoughts? I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, I maybe enjoyed it for reasons that weren't your favorite, because you thought it was sort of, what did you say, grim and kind of melancholy? Yeah. Um, I didn't really mind that. I mean, I like happy movies too, but... I really did enjoy it, Um, and I think you also thought, like, it was not so male fantasy life of, like, danger and and this and that. Yeah. Violence. It was more, (laughs) 
what'd you say like but now james bond this isn't like literal but now james bond is a dad and he's driving a minivan yeah. you know what i mean like they, not yeah, quite basically but... no no actually that's what happened <laughs> where was the minivan <laughs> when he's on the escape when he was reviewed... that a minivan well i mean like effectively <laughs> it's like it was like an outback like a Subaru outback or something I I enjoyed it um, a lot. I would yeah. say. Um, I you know here's the funny thing. I really liked Daniel Craig yeah. as James Bond. I really yeah. dug him from from the beginning of Casino Royale. I like what they did with his James Bond movies, which it's really a, a character arc. It's not a very good character arc, but it's the opposite of a lot of James Bond movies in the past. You know, Roger Moore. I'm fighting people in space now and making witty <laughs> comments and. You know, and Sean Connery just basically, you know, smoking at the camera and looking violent. I like all of those things. Pierce Brosnan was the the sort of ruthless James Bond. That was fun. Um, but what I really liked uh, about Daniel Craig is I think he was actually closer to the source material. He was a lot of fun to watch. I think Casino Royale was a lot of promise. Um, Single White Medusa hates the female lead in Single White Medusa. And you would think, like, oh, you're jealous. No, like, it wasn't. I've seen, like, way more beautiful women. You didn't like her deliveries. Yeah, it wasn't that, because, like, there's way more beautiful women. Even in this, I thought they were prettier. Like, it's not that. But she annoyed me so much. And yes, it was the delivery. It was, like, how do you like your love? Fake. It was so phony. (laughs) I hate it. There's certain phrases that I can say to Single White Medusa that'll drive her nuts. One is, how do you like your lab? Oh, man, I hate that. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. <laughs> That's another one. You want to tell the story? Was, uh, she got into a fight one, one evening with a lawyer over whether or not um, the vaccine manufacturers could be sued for the vaccine. And this this lawyer tried to lay down, this female lawyer tried to lay down the hate, the smack on single white Medusa and said, you know, did the, the, um, the professional card. I'm a lawyer and I know everything about the law. There's no way they were given immunity. I'm like... Really? Because they absolutely were 100%. Just because you're not aware of it doesn't mean that because you're a lawyer, you know everything. Yeah. Because you're clearly wrong. And I think we all know by this point, she was wrong. Same with it was the female fertil- fertility issues, which yeah. we also all know are an issue now. So, right. boom, smack down. You were wrong, lawyer. So sometimes <laughs> I will sneak up to single white Medusa and I'll go, I'm a lawyer. And it makes me so mad. <laughs> <laughs> and then my other one I do is, my name is Comal Pop. I just want to smell, smell your hair. <laughs> That's obviously Joe Biden, yeah. and I can't come stand on, it. Comal Pop just loves. Gross. <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> so those are, <sighs> welcome to our world. <laughs> and we wonder why I'm stressed out. <laughs> no, we don't, we don't wonder. We know. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, oh, no, but there was, the other interesting thing about the James Bond movie that you noticed and once you noticed it well I kind of already noticed it but you really pointed it out um the parallels with yeah I thought it was interesting because you know this movie was in the can as we say in the film business um before COVID well if you watch the movie it really goes in on this whole let's uh use DNA to kill everybody (laughs) and 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 there's a lot of you know injections and Stuff like that. And I remember them trying to say, oh, it's a little too, you know, COVID's not right for the time and blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, is this another one of those the elitists wanted to tell us what they're going to do to us with this movie? You know, not necessarily the same circumstances, but actually some food for thought. And and in a certain way, like the movie is not as woke as the marketing tried to make it seem. The marketing definitely tried to make a pitch that it is woke. Now, there are woke elements to it, 
that totally just like like you know just like drive a freight train through the narrative to get it in you know just total derail but it's still you know an interesting and enjoyable movie and blah 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 it's not it's not plotted well there are times like when you know we would look at each other and like what what is happening here right. why is this happening like you'd feel like a like, scene was missing but i've noticed that in a lot of movies lately they're just not scripted well mm-hmm. um it's so weird because i was i was like really riding my bike hard this weekend and a YouTube video came up of a mix um, of, of Bob Seger's Shakedown from Beverly Hills Cop 2. And the people had gone and made the video and they'd made a lot of scene cuts from Beverly Hills Cop 2. And I was watching that. And I was like, man, they don't make movies like this anymore. This movie was so much fun. Everybody was having fun in this movie. And like, it's like you go and you see the James Bond movies and like they were relentlessly sad. All of the movies that he was in, they were just... They were too downbeat, too heavy, and and I really do think in a lot of ways, it was a misuse of Daniel, uh, what's his name, Craig's character because he can really play like because he's sort of like so hard and everything like that. He really could have played like a different James Bond, but at the same time, he's such a capable actor that he could play this sad James Bond arc. And I'm not really that upset about it because like you probably needed a character arc for James Bond. It basically told the like what would be the James Bond character's entire life story um, in about five movies. And now, you know, they put at the end credits like James Bond will return. So, you know, they'll do whatever they're going to do, you know, or maybe it was in a certain way. Maybe there won't be, you know, much of a civilization left anymore. And that was the last James Bond, you know, movie. And it goes out on on that note. And you kind of get an encapsulation of, of a character that's old, a Cold War character and um, that might not have much relevance in the now of today, but I certainly would like to take a crack at, you know, writing a storyline for them. I think it could be fun, but, you know, um, there are big, giant red police siren lights on everyone's computer in Hollywood, and those lights go off if I get involved in any kind of conversation, <laughs> so that should they happen to go blind and deaf, or blind and or deaf, or just blind or deaf they will know not to make a deal with me because I am a terrible person. So, um, you know, those were, those were the kind of things that were going on. Uh, I think I had one last point about the James Bond movie. I forget what it was. Was it more about the DNA stuff? Like the DNA stuff was interesting. They could specifically even like target people's DNA. Yeah. Stuff that I, I I said on this podcast (laughs) and I think we got the lawyer. No, you can't you can't turn off the internet. So you know what? We can bring out the Leonardo DiCaprio mem again from once upon. <laughs> there's me. Well, I mean, there's me calling that, it. I movie, said it. I don't know that a movie proves well, they can do I it know, in real life, I but know. and the science <laughs> no. in this is pretty wonky. Um, you know, like everybody will go like, oh, Rami Malek was really good. And he really, Rami Malek is a really good actor, but like. This character choice was so cliche. I'm going to speak an ethereal villain voice. For once, I would like like a Rex Scorpio from The Simpsons. You know, like 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 a guy who's basically an infomercial salesman for the end of the world. (laughs) I would like that villain instead of these weird ethereal villains. I'd like I just like you know just they're all that way. I mean, and maybe that's the whole problem with the James Bond stuff is it's all. 
in a, in a very certain way, it's all getting very tired. And it is very cliche. But I mean, James Bond movies, I think, have you been can cliche still, for a long time. You can still have the cliche, but the yeah. premise of the James Bond movie are three things. It's male fantasy, it's hot chicks, and it's violence. And what we have now, you know, was basically like, well, we're not going to show any silhouettes of naked girls scuba diving, which is usually what they do in the old credits. You know, like, it's kind of like underwater ballet. You can't see anything. The girls were still really pretty, though. No, it's just, but everybody, every girl had to be mighty. Like, everybody fights better than James Bond in this movie. Now, if you're into weapon stuff... Don't even go there. There's a lot of horrible things going on in that movie. My favorite is when they surround the uh, vintage Austin. That was my guess, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and and literally everybody is encircling him and firing at the car, and everybody else in the background. Like the first yeah. one of the first things that you know from using weapons is you know like know what's behind what you're gonna shoot. Apparently Fred on the other team is behind what I'm gonna shoot, but they're just blasting away, shooting each other, and like it was just ridiculous. <laughs> and then some people got into his weapon handling skills and things like that. But so. then he like part of that scene was then once he finally does something back to them, he like turns on the the mini gun. machine gun things yeah. coming out of his like the lights Headlights. on his car. And, like, flips his car in a circle. That was badass. So that... <laughs> That's cool. I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Okay. I can suspend all disbelief <laughs> with that. But what really bothers me is the ba- basic weapon safety yeah. no, problems of the thugs. You know, that's that's yeah. really uh, what bothers me. So. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our... There was no one like, hey, Gene, hey, I'm over here. You know, like Ow, that kind of... you just shot me You just arm. shot me, Gene. <laughs> So. Yeah. So, uh, what else is on your mind? Well, I think things got a little crazy this week already, like right off the bat. They went crazy over yeah. the weekend in which Southwest Airlines... Uh, canceled, last time I saw, over 2,000 flights. Um, but then tried to say. <laughs> then t- tried to say all of that was just because of weather yeah. and, you know, just normal pilot shortages. Just normal ones. A brutal 70-degree storm. Uh, you know, uh, 70 degree, clear blue sky. And so, but like, I think, and I was thinking about that early this morning, like here you have a bunch of pilots and some air traffic controllers, uh, did it too over the weekend. And like, they are, they are resisting, you know, they are, they are, they are drawing their line in the sand and, and this is a big, big moment. And I think the most glaring thing that comes from this is not that Southwest Airlines is flying, you know, total disinformation cover and saying, oh, it's just weather. And like today's narrative was, oh, we're having a, we're having hiring shortages because of COVID. And, and I knew that we would get to that because you see the COVID um, uh, narrative emerging now for everything. Like, hey, I used COVID for an excuse. You know, like I would use COVID for an excuse not to hang out with people. <laughs> you know, sorry, COVID. Um, even when I really had no problems with it, you know. But um, not you guys, other people, um, people, <laughs> people that might be relatives, <laughs> your family. No, Aww. I'm just joking. Well, I mean, they don't use the air conditioning as much as I like. Oh, they will if you ask. <laughs> I ask, and it's still a thing. Uh, it's still like it's, it's still. They say yes. But then they don't turn it on. They go, yes. You just have to name a degree. Yes. And they will put it to that 
degrees. I've tried that. Uh, Let's put the air conditioning down to 62 degrees here in July in the Central Valley of California. Yes, yes, we should do that. Well, then, well, then let's get up and do me, it right now. And then I don't usually say that low. I usually say like 65. You know, so that's my fault. 62 is just too reckless. <laughs> Just trying to compromise. I don't want I'm compromise. I it's now come to I just pay their power bill for the month so that I can have the air conditioning on for one night. Exactly. Um, yeah, so but we even saw that video of the pilot talking about right. exactly what it's about, which is what we all know it's about. Yeah. That was a really good video. So it's it's not enough that that, that South Co- South Southwest is saying like, hey, you know, it, it don't look behind the curtain. You know, our loyal drone monkey, flying monkeys literally, um, <laughs> uh, aren't aren't doing what we say. It's really this other thing. That's not what really bothers me. What's really bothers me is that the news refused to cover it. That's so weird. you really have to say to yourself now, if you are not going to cover a major airline pilot strike because your side isn't winning. And literally, there are people now, today, calling pilots domestic terrorists. Last week, it was parents. Everybody's a domestic terrorist who doesn't agree with what the radical extreme left wants to do. Last year, we were all racists. Or actually, for the last four years. Like, it's always a name. It's never like, oh, we disagree. Let's have a discussion. It's just names, names, names. And, And I'm hoping we're reaching a fever pitch moment where it's not working and it's just getting insane where you're calling grizzly moms domestic terrorists and you're calling now like pilots you know the guys are like uh off to the left hand side of the aircraft you can see uh wyoming (laughs) and you can do this character because your dad was a pilot my dad was a pilot i am a pilot my dad was an airline pilot i am a pilot so i know pilot culture and everything like that and this was the wrong group of people to do this with yeah um because pilots have a very huge sense of their own self. And um, and it's a very responsible sense. It's not like an arrogant sense like doctors. Mm-hmm. Now, I play God every time I go in there to clean teeth. <laughs> uh, pilots like my dad, um, they, they had this air of calm, control, you know, Sky King attitude and everything like that. But when you got down to it, what would wake them up in the middle of the night screaming in terror is that they would ever kill a plane load of people. That was like the worst thing to any pilot ever to have happen. And they, the, the, like a lot of pilots have heart problems and stress and things like that because they feel an extreme amount of responsibility for the people that they're flying. And um, the last thing they want to do is be responsible for killing an entire plane load of people. They don't even think about themselves, um, which is kind of a crazy thing. But these are not these are people that have a lot of authority. Pilots have a they used to have a lot more authority um, back in the good old days when they could slap stewardesses on the bottoms. Uh, maybe not the best old day. <laughs> I don't know. They seem pretty fun. If you were my stewardess, I'd slap you on the bottom. Well, if I was working as a stewardess, I think you would be punching someone. So maybe that's not. Oh, so yeah. good. Well, you know, hey. <laughs> But um, they used to, they still have a lot of authority because at the end of the day, they're they're responsible for the 134, 200 odd people in back. So they can tell you what they're going to do, what altitudes they're going to do, what what you know, they th- what they say there goes. And so what I don't think they liked is like, and, and there have been actual like, even bigger legitimate concerns for flight officers within the military. And pilots, like, you, they have, like, I have seen stories, like, 
four British Airways pilots all had heart episodes, strokes, and embolisms within 24 hours of getting the shot when they first mandated it. So this is a thing that has actually happened. So this this is actually a problem. Pilots are very into their health. They have to take flight health physical checkups every six months. Um, they can't drink before flights. You know, they have they have to have perfect eyesight or corrective eyesight. Pilots have huge health requirements. So if you're going to tell a pilot, like, hey, there is a 1% chance that um, you could just end up with uh, even the mildest, like, heart inflammation. Well, what the pilot says is, that's all fine, well, and good, you know. But for a pilot, if you do not have perfect health, you will immediately lose your license. Mm-hmm. If you're a pilot and you get busted for drunk driving, you lose your license. Now, what does that mean? Your career is over. It's not like you got drunk on Friday night at your job and Monday no one cares and sometimes you have to go to some AA meetings. For pilots, that's it. It's over. You don't get to fly people again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that serious. Yeah. And the health concerns are the same thing. Have a stroke or an embolism, they will bust their flight medical. It will be over them. So they are not necessarily making, and I love how the left comes out and says, you're a wuss, take the vaccine already. Like all these, like, I hate that the left tries to co-opt ownership, like sort of like this sort of like masculinity shaming. Oh my goodness, like whatever. when these are people literally sitting at home in their snuggies, you know, on antidepressants, you know, weeping about the next Star Wars trailer or the fact that Superman is gay today. Mm. You know, and saying that's that's the Selma, March on Selma, you know, civil rights moment of our era, you know, and you got pilots out there. You know, my dad would come home some nights talking about, you know, things that happened to him out there, you know, losing his controls, you know, as he's trying to make an approach into San Diego, which is a notoriously dangerous airport, um, you know, thing, you know, just dangerous stuff. And, and we knew air crews that were killed all throughout my life. So to kind of shame these guys that that really do do a lot of stuff that gets people killed, you know, and take this kind of responsibility, it, it's not. For them, it's risk assessment. And the risk assessment is if I bust my flight physical because of your leaky, stupid vaccine that you're mandating not because you care for us, but because of politics, well, are you, you know, we already know that as single white Medusas, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> We know that there is no legal recourse for these pilots. So they are taking matters into their own hands and they are doing what we all now need to do, which is to say no. If we say no to this globalist elitist government, we will win this. They will be defanged. People in the military are saying no. Pilots are saying no. Teachers unions are saying no. We all need to say no, and we will defang them. I'm concerned about the no. I'm concerned that we might be at a moment where we could win this. It could fall apart for them. Uh, it seems maybe, you know, Fauci came out and said, um, uh, you're going to see the caseloads going down. Well, Joe Biden's polling numbers are going down, so maybe that's what that's about. But you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, the thing that they want most right now is to go back into lockdown and no Christmas and Halloween. So it's kind of funny. We all know that a week and a half ago, Fauci said no Christmas. Mm-hmm. But now he's saying no, the cases are going down. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, what do you know? Like, it's like the arbitrary dates. Ah, oh, you can you can all come out of mass on June 15th. Why June 15th? 
Like, what do you know on June 15th? I know, exactly. Also, like, um, if they want to have Dark Winter, which they've threatened, it's Vince easier Conrad to... Watch Dark Winter. <laughs> Smell your hair. <laughs> it's easier to create um, a rise in cases if you first lower them. You know, then it's easy easier to ratchet them up. So that could be part of it. You could work for the government with that kind of thinking. <laughs> and also, um, kind of what you were just saying a little bit ago... Um, but I saw someone had a sign at one of the recent protests, um, and it said, I just really liked it. It said, this ends when we all say no. And I liked that. It was kind of what you said, basically. No, it's, it's, we're all at that moment. This ends when we say no. There is definitely a plan. There is definitely a scheme. We listened to a Port of LA dock worker today on the Stu Peter show who is basically saying the, the, the shipping crisis is manufactured. And he's he was saying at the port, we are overwhelmed with goods. And this was an interesting thing. He said, like, I guess all the ports sort of compete to handle loads. And Hong Kong is the undisputed master of shipping and port handling and like being able to offload and transit cargo back onto outgoing ships as fast as possible. And this cat said that for the last two years, L.A. has beat all the other ports in the world. Yeah. And he's saying that. As far as the port is concerned, the crisis is manufactured. Um, what he thinks is happening is that the carriages that the containers go on are being held up at the shipping centers. And that literally, like, Amazon and stuff like that is just sitting on warehouses full of goods. And this the, the talk around the port, according to this cat, you can watch the Stu Peter show. We'll put the link in the um, in the comments was that Amazon's AI has somehow messed up the entire situation because as far as I was kind of able to put together and infer, it seems that the AI was still predicting that we would be in lockdown. And so the AI was shipping all kinds of lockdown goods that of course benefit Amazon. Mm -hmm. I know internally from some business meetings I've had with Amazon and some other discussions that Amazon is having a bad financial year but let's put parentheses around the bad. Uh, it's only because their past two years have been so great due to COVID. So they're looking at this year as a rough year. So what that really, I don't know, if begs the question is the answer or something like that. But somehow, even down at the local sort of shipping dock worker level, um, port management level, they know that there's a problem with the AI and that too much power was given to the AI. And the first thing that the AI did, which is what everybody has always freaked out about AI about, is it's made an arbitrary decision that a human wouldn't make. The simplest example is that the AI is driving your car and it's going down the road and it sees that you're going to get into an accident. So it runs over an entire school bus stop full of children to save you. Does the AI do that? You know, or does the AI make some choice where you die? Humans will make different choices. I always go back and think of the software developer who worked on um, the World War II RTS game. It wasn't Command & Conquer, but it was like, it was really cool. It was a really cool World War II game. Um, Heroes, something like that. It It was kind of like Band of Brothers. I'll think of it. But he was driving down a two lane road with his pregnant wife and he saw a drunk driver veer into his lane. So, Like any young dad, what did he do? He threw his car to the right and absorbed the blow on the driver's side so that his wife would survive. Would the AI make that decision? 
Or would the AI try to save the driver? Does the AI know that the wife is pregnant? I don't know. But I know that humans make better decisions than AIs. But I know that the global elites, and you can go and watch the video where Amazon is now uh, using an entire warehouse full of Astros. Astros are dog-like robots that do incredible warehouse management and shipping. Wow, I didn't know that. That's, That's where they want to go because they want to get rid of pensions and disability and insurance and all these messy human problems. And so if a, if a few people, if a few pregnant wives get killed and a few school bus school bus bus stops full of children get run over we we are dealing with people that in at least in the political administration they drone striked two different families to get the conversation off how bad their mismanagement was in afghanistan so should we be dealing with ai should we be dealing with corporations that are dependent on ai and are now savaging our shipping situation in order to save face, in order to make profit for them. When literally, I can tell you, I just saw a picture today of a guy who I trust showing the meat department in Detroit. It's all cleaned out of meat. You don't have meat. Really? We're pretty good here in LA because we're right at the mouth of the supply chain. But yeah, there's some places that are going to have a supply chain problem. And they're going to turn around and say, well, you know the COVID. You know the COVID. And a lot of people are saying, oh, the truck drivers aren't driving. Well, I have a lot of truck drivers in my feed and they haven't quit. And this guy in the podcast with Stu Peters, he said there's no truck driver shortage um, that he can tell of. The truck traffic is huge. Yeah. I can tell you because every Wednesday morning we jump on the truck traffic main artery um, out of Orange County and the Port of Long Beach and the 91 to the 10. And I always see a heavy amount of trucks. So I don't see a reduction in truck traffic. Um it does feel manufactured. So, you know, we have people that are making decisions from drone striking families to shipping decisions and then always claiming that it's some crisis that, as we get farther and farther into COVID, seems manufactured. That was what we spent a lot of the weekend on, looking at, like, when you look at the COVID crisis, it it almost was completely manufactured. The response... You know, uh, oh, I guess we'll do this. What we'll do, uh, and we'll talk about this maybe tomorrow, because this podcast is getting towards the long side, and I, I have a date with some ribs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think um, the thing that you just said about the COVID it, land. Yeah, that was. Uh, we watched a good documentary, um, which is just part one of more parts that they're going to be making, um, called COVID Land this weekend as well, through Alex Jones through Infowars. It's but, free. Yeah, it's free. And it's um, good. It's really it was good. really good. And the thing that makes it really good that I noticed as I identified it was um, there's not a lot of Alex Jones yeah. doing Alex Jones thing. And there's not a lot of hyperbole or narrative or agenda. Mm-hmm. There are. It's literally a series of compiled clips showing them talking about all of these things in their own words. And it turns out... Like the mainstream media. Yeah, the mainstream media. It turns out a lot... They tried to whitewash a lot of these clips mm-hmm. and sort of memory hold them. But it's it's kind of actually going in there. It's kind of stunning to remember that they actually said that. The death rates and and all of, and used all of that as sort of a, um, a wedge, you know, a, and a fulcrum to basically take control of the country... Um, disable the election so that they could win and grasp 
an, an insane amount of ta- power that two months later we are still fighting over 14 days to flatten the curve. We're still fly, two fighting two months later, two years, yeah. you know, fighting over mandates, fighting over you know all of this stuff that we were told was temporary. And I, I've kind of I liked Scott Adams sometimes. I, I've divested myself a little from him because he kind of got he went one way on the vaccine that wasn't sincere or generous. Um, but he did ask a really interesting question today. And he said to the government, he said, unless you government are willing to tell people what the numbers are, where there are no more need for mandates or mandatory vaccines, if you are not Mm -hmm. willing to give people a target number, then no one's going to ever trust you. Because what it looks like is a naked grab for you to have unending power with a crisis that people already don't trust mm-hmm. in which there are no there's no finish line there's just you know like if there's like Australia if there's one death we lock down the whole country so and crazy. it's like that's not right no and so you know Australia they may take it they're much more you know governmentally subservient America that's not going to flow and we're going to have these constant problems if this government wanted to do themselves a favor they would give us benchmarks to hit to stop this but you and i both know right now they'll never give you those benchmarks because willingly these mandates are never ever going to stop and that's the podcast